feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Call this college rule! Welcome back, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm Dom, this is Chris, and uh, we're back again for another awesome episode. Uh, before we begin, I uh, just uh, want to do a little housekeeping here. Uh, we're recording at Engel Studio here in Tucson, so uh, come on downtown for all your recording needs. And please, subscribe to our YouTube page. Subscribe and follow us on Instagram and all the socials. Uh, we need to pump those numbers up. We keep putting out quality content. Uh, anything else to say, Chris? Yeah, try and like and comment on our social medias. We're going to try and be more active on that. And uh, other than that, thanks for tuning in, and let's get right into it. All right, we're back on the diamond today with uh, probably... The best defensive shortstop who's ever played baseball. Something that I actually really loved about this, we're talking Ozzie Smith. I didn't know if that was obvious yeah, by the right. best. Um, but something I loved was... I don't think Honest Wagner fans are alive anymore. <laughs> <laughs> was his improvement on the offense, because everybody knows him for defense, defense, defense. But we'll see. He's he really, a wizard. Yeah. One could say grand, but one can't. <laughs> well, we already had the grand wizard in baseball. We all know that. That was Ty Cobb. Exactly. So you can't be repeating... In the Hall Nicknames. of Fame with Ty Cobb, <laughs> yeah. But uh, Ozzy Smith, everybody. Osborne Earl Smith, born uh, December 26th, 1954 in Mobile, Alabama. But he grows up in Los Angeles. Yeah, he grows up in the uh, Watts district of uh, Los Angeles. He said he lived through the Watts riots when he was uh, 10 years old. He said it was probably one of the more scarier things because no idea what was going to happen you're 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 living boys in the hood almost yes pretty much uh for the 60s but he uh he, big family uh five boys and one girl uh his dad was a delivery driver for safeway and his mom was an aide at a uh, nursing home yeah uh his mom was very big on education which helped ozzy kind of advance his professional life as yeah. well yeah we see her being a huge influence on his just overall work ethic and all of that stuff and then uh, i think it junior uh, high school his parents got divorced and uh, that whole you know what I mean well as a kid he was very active with sports like oh, at yeah. the boys and girls club and things like that because kind of sports is your way out as we've seen in many of these episodes for uh, economically disadvantaged uh, youths uh, him and his friends though would uh, he learned a very interesting skill as a kid he learned how to do backflips. Oh, yes, the backflips. Um, they with, would uh, go uh, and uh, jump off into sawdust piles. Yeah, <laughs> just for fun. Just for fun. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ozzie Smith, and welcome to Jackass. <laughs> that's literally what it was like back... I mean, that's so great. Uh, um, but he honed his baseball skills. He would throw a ball against a brick wall, and he would get closer and closer to improve his reflexes. And for any of the youths out there, it certainly worked for Ozzy. Maybe give it a shot. Yeah. Um, his reflex skill was obviously like above and beyond other guys. I saw something interesting because we see these guys who are just like really great athletes, and they're just like, well, he was great in basketball. He was great in football. And for Ozzy, I saw him say he was just like, yeah, yeah, I was good in other sports, but like I knew baseball was my thing. Yeah, and he would uh, take the bus or ride his bike to Dodger Stadium as a kid. So yep. he was kind of baseball through and through. Um, he went to Lock High in uh, Los Angeles. He played bat on the basketball team with uh, future Milwaukee Bucks all-star Marcus Johnson. And baseball 
With arguably one of the greatest switch hitters that's ever played in Eddie Murray. <laughs> I thought that was so ridiculous because they are both really good switch hitters. You don't think about it for Ozzy, but he is. But yeah, you don't Eddie think about is, him hitting. No, all. you just don't. But it, just to think of their both of these guys being on this high school Did team. They lose a game? I Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so he graduates uh, in 1974, and he gets a partial academic scholarship because he has to walk onto the baseball team at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Yep. And uh, by his freshman year, he's already starting for them and uh, enjoys a very successful college career. He actually, This is where he actually learns to switch it. Oh, college. okay, yeah. Yeah, so in high school he wasn't, but in college um, he was uh, taught by his coach there. And uh, by 1977, um, he, uh, when he graduates, he was an All-American and still holds the records for bats and stolen bases. So that's uh, pretty good on Ozzy. Yeah, and it, it makes sense for just the style of play he he has. He's your um, typical top or bottom of the order hitter to get on base and make things happen with his legs. So yep. we, there's a very good story that happens in his professional career regarding this. Well, well, I just I find it interesting because we always harp back to his defense, but he actually outside of, and this is going to make you sad, outside of the Padres, he, he actually had great offense throughout his career. Oh, so. Chris, god damn it. I thought it was interesting. He was actually drafted first by the Tigers, but they couldn't agree on a contract. Yeah, he was holding out for kind of more money, as one should do um, when you become a professional. Um, but he ends up signing for less than what he was holding out. It was yeah. There, he ended up signing for less for to go and play for San Diego than what the Tigers were actually offering him the year before. I thought it was really interesting. Well, he was drafted in the seventh round by the Tigers in 76 um, and then eligible again in 77. The Padres take him in the fourth in the round. Fourth. And uh, all he got was a $5,000 bonus when he was looking for 10. Yeah, I think he was looking for 10, yeah. But uh, he's on the Padres um, in 1977. Uh, he plays for the Walla Walla Padres of the Northwest League. And... Um, does a pretty good job, but only plays in a handful of games. But in 1978, he's invited to spring training with uh, San Diego there in Yuma, Arizona, taking the 310 to Yuma with Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. Oof. But um, uh, when I was a kid, we actually used to drive to Yuma and Palm Springs to catch Padres and Angels games when they used to do the, do spring, the spring training. And, and they'd have it in places like Tucson, too. Yep. You remember that? <laughs> But uh, in uh, 78 spring training, um, the Padres then coach Alvin Dark, who was a shortstop on a World Series winning team. He managed a World Series winning team with Oakland. He told uh, Ozzy, you're going to be my guy until you prove you can't do it. I thought it was pretty amazing because he had not even really much minor league experience. He comes into spring training and he goes, you're my number one guy. And if you can't, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And what Ozzy said was it gave him all the confidence he needed. And then they fired the coach in spring training, yep. which is ridiculous. But it's like, this guy knew baseball. That's that's what he said. Was It was one of those things where it was like he gave him that confidence. And then the organization was just like, you remember that guy? Yeah, we fired him. Well, Chris, nobody's accused the San Diego Padres of making good decisions. <laughs> Being a competent organization. Like, y even the Mets win. Come on. Know, it's horrible. Um, uh, he makes his major league debut April 7th, 1978. And then by the end of his first month in the majors, you kind of start to see his wizardry more or less on a very famous play. Uh, well, this is what I find so interesting is he literally shows his defensive prowess literally in the first month that they give it 
give it to him. And you have to give it up to just like seeing him as a great shortstop and being like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, this guy is amazing, even though at this time he is kind of a guaranteed out on the offensive. Yeah, he and he granted he only played 69 games of minor league ball, but uh, on a game in a game on April 20th at Jack Murphy Stadium against the Braves. 420. Oh, 420. Woo! Hitler's birthday too. <laughs> Woo! And Columbine. Woo! Oh shit. <laughs> Anyway, Jeff Burrows uh, hits a ball up the middle, and Ozzy's moving towards his left, and the ball, I guess, hits a rock or caroms behind him. He grabs it because he's moving to his left with his bare hand, falls to the ground, and guns Burrows out at first base. It's Go to YouTube. It's there. It's freaking amazing. I'm going to say this probably a couple more times, but these are some of the best defensive highlights you'll ever see, and he has, like tons of them like he's got a fucking sizzle reel on defense that i don't think any shortstop will ever have the stuff they had to cut yeah would be a sizzle reel for somebody else that's a sizzle reel for an all-star yes that's like he is he has so many unbelievably great stops yeah um so he hits 258 um that year the padres are kind of like a mediocre team like they have decent player i mean like they have dave winfield and randy jones at this time but it's not like their team is co- absolutely complete. Yes. You know what I mean? So they're kind of mediocre. Um, uh, 40 stolen bases, one homer, and 46 RBIs. Um, he led uh, the league in sacrifice hits. Ozzy was a good bunner. Uh, knew, uh, knew how to handle the bat pretty well in that regard. And finished second in Rookie of the Year. Yeah. NL Rookie of the Year. So you're thinking, hey, everything's looking up for Yeah, this, this is a great shortstop prospect for the, for the Padres. And, and they really should have been looking at him as like the future yeah yeah just like a cornerstone of your franchise yep um at the end of the year on october 1st 1978 for fan appreciation day um andy strasberg the um promotions director knew that he could do backflips well he used to jackass days well he used to do it before people would show up at the stadium when they were all just kind of hanging out he would like bust a backflip and they were like he was like you should do that when the fans get here right and it was like okay so yeah Fan Appreciation Day, he started his famous, now that everybody knows him, as the man that does the backflips. He should have done gymnastics, too. That would have been cool. Or, uh, you know, jumped out of an airplane at those extreme games. (laughs) Now we're talking. Uh, So in 79, the Padres really wanted to get him working on his offense. Maybe develop a little power where there might not be any. But he very much struggles in 1979 at the dish. Well... Um, we see this happen sometimes where they try to improve whatever they are doing and it takes time. And in this time of them essentially changing stuff, they literally, I think he went like 0 for 32. Yeah, hitless yeah. in his first 32 at bats. Um, and that season, for the players who qualified for all the triple crown categories, he finished last in all of them. In yes. batting average, 211. Homers, 0. RBIs. 27 but he's playing gold glove defense like you just can't take him out of the lineup um and the issues um start to arise between the organization and ozzy and his agent looking for more money looking for more money and then i saw something that i thought was interesting where he felt like they weren't they were trying to do like incorrect things for his batting, like put more power into it. Where he felt like he should have just been hitting more ground balls and yeah, legging slap it out. Hitter, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which you gotta be legging them out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then this is gonna come back later too when he goes to the Cardinals. But that's the thing is, he felt like they weren't 
as an organization doing right by him. And then nobody on top of that, Chris, just nobody accuses this organization of doing good things. And then on top of that, they weren't paying him shit. Yeah. For, for golden, literally golden glove defense. They were like, yeah, yeah, no, we're going to pay you the league minimum. $72.5,000. I mean, I'm making that right now. at my It's brutal. To think that he literally wins the Golden Glove and then that's the contract they offer him. Yeah, so uh, his, agent his agent went on a radio yep. and said, Ozzy will race in the Tour de France if he's not paid more. And then Ozzy's like, I don't know what this motherfucker's talking about. No, he literally says, I don't know what the Tour de France is. <laughs> yeah, Lance Armstrong knows what it is. Hell yeah. But uh, also that offseason, um, he posted a help-wanted uh in uh, the San Diego Union Tribune that said Padres baseball player wants part-time employment to supplement income. And then somebody was like... Oh, God, Chris, here we go. They saw this fire, and then somebody was like, let's pour some gasoline on that fire. No, let's let's drive a flaming gasoline truck into this fire. No, let's do 10-cent beer night. Let's... (laughs) Without attractive middle-aged women showing off their tatas, <laughs> and the owner's wife, Joan Kroc, proceeds to—I don't know how she contacted him. Can I just say, fuck Ray Kroc? I mean, like you're poisoning the world with your menu outside of the McRib, which I fully support. But your wife, oh boy, I was just gonna say, I've never met anybody that supports the McRib more. But this is seasonal. Yeah, this is like supporting Christmas for Dom. It, so, it really is. Yeah. Like, Jesus' birth almost. But she decides to offer him a job as an assistant gardener at their estate, which has just tinges of student athletes to it. Um, And And not a gardener, but assistant gardener. Assistant gardener. All all of it. He has to be an apprentice first, Chris. Um, And that pretty much just is the gasoline truck on everything. Like I was saying, this should have literally been the cornerstone of your team going forward for the next decade and they say some racist shit and won't pay him like they paid him so little money it's insane it's not commiserate with you know his productivity yes and him on the uh, defensive side but in 1980 in 1980 he has a single season record for assists by a shortstop uh, with 621 and wins the first of 13 straight gold gloves so if you ever are in a trivia question situation where someone says, who won the gold glove at shortstop in 1980X in the National League? You just say Ozzie Smith. As we're going through these years, just know every single year he won a golden glove. Yeah, like freaking believable Led the league in sacrifice hits and a career-high 57 steals, which is pretty awesome. No, it... That this is where his offense starts to kind of come together. All where the uh, relationship between his agent himself and the front office and ownership is just spiraling out of control. Yes, just deteriorating by the day. And in '81, he makes his first All Star game for those Padres. Um, before the year in March in the Yuma Daily Sun, this is where they got the Wizard of Oz nickname, yep. which is just perfect. Just well, it all kind of comes together. The backflips, the Wizard of Oz. He really cements himself as this like personality on top of like showing people yes i am the best defensive and he was such an affable and cool dude that was the other thing just a nice person (laughs) no but he was very like you said affable and just very personable where you're like oh this guy could be our friend and like very like how can you hate ozzy i know i love it 
Um, so that year uh, had uh, led the league because it's a sp- it's a short season due oh, to yeah. the strike because you know how baseball loves those labor stoppages. Um, 110 games uh, led the league. He had uh, 507 at, uh, plate appearances. Led the NL in at bats. Hit 222 and uh, also played some Gold Glove defense in '81 for course, those Padres. Of course. But then in '82, before the season, everything kind of comes to a head. Because there's another team in the National League with some shortstop issues, and that is the St. Louis Cardinals. Gary Templeton, an all-star himself, um, is really not getting along with Cardinals management, his coaches, and the fans. And the fans. I saw he uh, had an incident where the fans felt like he didn't leg out uh, a play. He didn't you know, give it his effort and he literally was yelling back at the making fans. gestures towards Make, the fans you pick it and he literally had to be dragged off the field and the cardinals were like look we know you're an all-star shortstop but you need to and this is what happens with players they're like you need to move on because this is just bad for you everybody. just need a change of scenery yeah. <laughs> and it actually because this is kind of looked at as kind of like a silly trade if you will because gary templeton's great but ozzy's like yeah. He's the wizard. Well, they you, Cardinals had a plan for Ozzy. Yes. San Diego was just throwing stuff against a wall and hoping it'd stick. The, Card- stuck. the Cardinals kind of have a plan to uh, get themselves out of this Templeton situation because at the 81 winter meetings, um, Padres general manager Jack McKeon told Herzog, Smith's unavailable. We're not going to trade him. He's untouchable. But the more the uh, issues between Gottlieb and uh, the front office persisted, that's when we start to see the wheels move on this trade. And that's kind of what you see with these guys is at some point they're like, look, this guy will never be traded. And then they get so fed up with the relationship. They're just like, all right, let's hear what you have to offer. Well, and the interesting thing is Ozzy has a no trade clause. Yep. And don't get me wrong, as incompetent as the Padres are, moving from San Diego to St. Louis, especially when you can afford to live in San Diego, is not... Uh, it's not very attractive. Chris. No, it's and not an attractive option. Originally, when he heard this trade, he wanted to deny it. He wanted to invoke his no trade clause and just say no and work stuff out in San Diego. But this is the genius of Cardinals manager Whitey Herzog, yep. who is arguably one of the best managers in the 1980s and a top manager in Major League Baseball history. Uh, him and some of the Cardinals brass go out to San Diego to meet with Ozzy um, during the winter. And Ozzy said that touched him so much. It made him feel like he was wanted. It made him feel like he would be a piece in a team with an actual plan to do something, a plan to win. Whitey Herzog told him, you're going to be my starting shortstop in the World Series. And, I mean, that lit a fire under Ozzy's ass for sure. And just coming from an organization that undervalued you to going to someone that you're not even part of yet saying, like, hey, I believe in you to do this, I mean, the the end result you know it's like leaving a toxic relationship and being like oh this person likes me yes exactly this person likes me so on december 10th 1981 um uh ozzy is traded to the cardinals with steve murrah al olmstead for and al olmstead for gary templeton sixto liscano awesome name by the way sixto and then luis de leon um i'll say this one thing this is a bad trade for the Padres, 
But Gary Templeton played all-star level shortstop for them. And without him, they probably don't make that World Series in 1984. That's what the, that's what was said was, so for the organization, Templeton actually was probably better because he helped him get to that World Series. He was already like established as a player. He didn't need to have this yeah. growth that the Cardinals essentially... Because I've seen this organization trade all-stars and future Hall of Famers for fucking washing machines and home appliances and the equivalent of you gave away the crime dog for a fucking washing machine jesus tap dancing christ so i'm not particularly mad but ozzy unlike being an all-star like templeton just completely flourishes and becomes a hall of famer in st louis and it's something you don't know if that's going to happen in san diego so it was the right trade, but people look at this and are just like, how can you give up Ozzy <laughs> and not try and make that work? Yeah. So um, in spring training, the, a major league moment happens for Ozzy, and it kind of turns around him at the plate pretty much for the rest of his career. Well, I mean, he shows up, he outruns everybody, and then he's in his pajamas. He, in his pajamas, and then he takes some swings and he says, hey, man. Whitey comes up to him. You may run like Hayes, but you hit like shit. And so Whitey Herzog has this bet where he's like, shut up, darn. It is such a major league bet. I wonder if they really got the idea from this. I hope it, they did. It, I really do. He said, hey, man, for every pop fly you hit, you have to. Well, this is what Whitey said. For every pop fly, you have to pay me a dollar. For every ground ball, I'll pay you a dollar. You should be hitting the ball on the ground and legging them out. And by the end of the year, Ozzy said he won close to like $300. Yeah. But that, Which, that might be the greatest investment in Cardinals history. And at this time, if you don't know, unless you're like a autistic baseball fan, um, the Cardinals in this era, that's exactly the player that they wanted in their lineup because this team was built, they called it Whitey Ball, specifically on speed, defense, and a couple of guys in your lineup with a little bit of pop like a Keith Hernandez. But this was all based on Bush Stadium turf, ground balls, legging them out, stealing bases, walking, great plate discipline, and making life hell on opposing pitchers on the base paths. I saw somebody say this that they were questioning. They were like, is this the best group of defense like of infield defenders that we would ever see together? Because that's literally what this team was built for. Oh, yeah. Was like and the pitchers i saw some interview with some of the starting pitchers they were just like yeah yeah, we knew if it was a ground ball it was going to get picked up it wasn't going to get through to the outfield and you're just like that's what a crazy thing to think of as a pitcher you're just I, like i gotta hit a gapper every time to have a shot yes like <laughs> so the cardinals in 82 are a very good team they win 12 in a row in april um ozzy has a nice season hits 248 24 doubles, two homers, 43 RBIs, 25 stolen bases. And Her, um, Herzog had this great quote where he said, because he wins a gold glove again, he says, if he saved two runs a game on defense, which he did many a night, it seems that he was just as valuable to the team as a player who drove in two runs. This was my, I think this is my favorite quote as to what Ozzy means to a baseball team. And then to this Whitey Cardinals team, because I don't know if that would have been as impactful to other teams, it essentially wins them games to have this 
just like like he said, literally stopping two runs maybe every other game. This maybe, style of you know? baseball, not to go on like a rant or a tangent here. Not to yell into <laughs> not to yell about washing machines. Um this style of baseball is lost now, and it makes me sick because not only is this exciting and would actually bring more eyeballs to the game, analytics has basically erased all of this as far as stolen bases and putting pressure on pitchers and things of that nature. Like this style of baseball wins you games. These types of skills are lost in scouts' eyes nowadays. And it's particularly sad because St. Louis during basically the decade of the 1980s is arguably the NL's one of their best teams. Yeah. So, I saw somebody talk about the Royals when they were doing small ball in, yeah. the, in the recent years, and they were like, oh, it's like the Cardinals. And someone was just like, the Cardinals would have mopped the floor with that because it's just they did what you were saying. They did that to the entire team. They were like, no, no, no we're going to go through your whole pitching staff by like the sixth inning. It, it was, no, and it, it's crazy. But the thing is, if they played in today's era – they would drive opposing pitchers insane. Guys don't know how to hold runners on because nobody steals bases anymore. I know. It would just create havoc. And uh, John Smoltz brought it up on MLB Network once where he was like, you know what? A team who doesn't spend money like the Pirates should put a team like this together and just see what happens. Just see what happens. And honestly, I think a team, I mean, granted, you're not going to find Ozzie Smith, you know, in the minor leagues. But by that same token... You could be competitive yes. playing this style of And you're of not competitive right now. Yeah, you're not competitive because you don't spend any money. Yeah. but uh, So they go 92-70 and 70 and win the NL East. Um, they sweep the Braves in the NLCS. Uh, Ozzie has a game-winning sack fly in Game 1 of this yep. series. He hits 556 as well, which is pretty impressive. And they go to the World Series where he's the starting shortstop for Whitey Herzog, which is pretty awesome to have that happen like Just that. like that. And, and it's like what he said. He was like, we have a team set up. We we could do this postseason run. And so they're in the World Series. In one of the more exciting World Series, uh, 1982, they play the Harvey Wallbangers uh, Brewers. Um, goes all the way to seven games. Goes all the way to seven games. And uh, they're down 3-1 to one in the sixth. Ozzie gets a, ra- a base hit and starts a rally. And the team ends up winning 6-3. to three, And he's a World Series champion. Which... That had to be like a crazy year for him to go from San Diego and all that drama and then just show up and win a title. Oh, my God. It, it has to be so the, – the feeling has to be so great. Um, also with the Cardinal organization because they kind of were like getting there, getting there, and now they're, you know, put it together. Well, they hadn't won, I think, since 67. Yeah. So, I mean, it had been a little drought. And they're – I think they have the second most titles. Them or Boston. Uh, in MLB, eighty-three, eighty-four combined, he gets two forty-nine. Now he's a million-dollar man. Yeah, he's got a new contract. contract. They, they're like, hey, he's going to be our shortstop. They did what the Padres couldn't do. Exactly. A lot of teams do that, Chris. <laughs> a lot of guys' girlfriends are in there. A lot. Hey, a lot of guys' girlfriends are in there, my man. <laughs> um, he misses a chunk of eighty-four uh, in July. He gets hit by a pitch against the Padres of all teams. Yep, there will be wrist. another injury. Like that, but uh, in '85, uh, really comes into his own at the dish. Uh, hits 276, career high six home runs. Well, Hell this, yes! This is where, and if you look at really like, because the cards are like, we're gonna put this, we're gonna put this hitting thing, and they emphasize ground balls, which that's what he was saying. It was just like they really saw like 
eye to eye as to what he should be doing. So you already got Tommy Herr there. Um, you have Willie McGee there, but this year you have guys like Andy Van Slyke, Terry Pendleton, and now Jack Clark to replace Hernandez because he's over in New York Whoa. trying to steer Strawberry and Gooden away from all the fun things that he uh, encountered in our Drugs and Baseball episode. Yeah. Good thing Ozzy didn't indulge. Could you imagine him doing backflips on cocaine? Oh, my God. That would have been quite the spectacle. <laughs> I'm Ozzy Smith, and welcome to Check. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. So, 85, they win the NL East. Um, uh, great team. They go 101-61. and 61. Um, This is the... Uh, Really incredible NLCS. Uh, the series is tied 2-2, two to two, and they're at Bush Stadium for Game 5. And in the bottom of the ninth, the game is tied 2-2 two two with Tom Needenfuhrer on the hill. And Ozzy is batting left-handed, and this is important. Why, Chris? So, like you said, he's a home run hitter. Totally. This, this year, the long ball. Oh, man. This year, he had six. All of those are right-handed. All of his previous home runs were right batted right-handed. He actually had 2,967 <laughs> plate appearances before this one. I know he hasn't done well against this guy, but I got a hunch he's due. I got a hunch he's due. I don't know. I got somebody on the other line for some white walls. I'll call you back. Well, I don't know. <laughs> and then we get... One of the more famous calls. Yeah. That's something that I love with this where you know it by all of it. The sound, the all of it. Uh, Jack Buck, longtime Cardinals and national broadcaster, probably the voice of baseball uh, in the 20th century, for much of the 20th century. Um, Ozzy uh, gets a pitch, corks it into the right field corner for a home run, and Jack Buck yells what, Chris? Well, it's interesting because his first home run, I just want to say, left-handed, is a walk-off. In a to take two, a series two, lead in, a, it's in the such bottom great, of the ninth of a tied game and Ozzie, at home. Ozzy's quote was, this is one of my favorite things. He goes, I just wanted an extra base hit to get in scoring position because I know that it meant so much. And he said it came off the bat and he goes, well, that looks a little high. That was his reaction was, that's a pretty high. Oh my high, God. Yes. It was one of those where you're just like, oh shit. Oh, oh. It's one of those Urkel moments. Yeah. Did I do that? And then, it, like, literally, you hear it as he's rounding the bases. You just hear, go crazy. Go crazy, That's folks. That's going to be a home run. That's, yeah, that line coming in. It's, yeah, you had that. Oh, God, you had that perfect. Oh, man. So he wins another goal. And then in game six, Needenfuhrer's on the hill again. And Jack Clark, who they thought he was thinking, they're going to pitch around me to pitch to the other Wayfish batters in my lineup yep. who aren't power hitters. He was pretty much the source of power for this team. Um, Nittenfuhrer just grooves him one, and he parks it into deep left field at Dodger Stadium to send the Cardinals to the World Series against the Kansas City Royals. And I'll be in the cold, cold ground before I recognize Missouri. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that in there. Uh, this this World Series is a little weird. Well, it's weird, it's controversial, but one thing we can agree on, and by the way, I think it was the NLCS before Game 1, Vince Coleman, who had set, stole over 100 bases that year as a rookie who came up like a month into the season. I don't know if you know the story, but they had these tarps 
at Bush Stadium that would roll out. They were automatic like tarps to cover the field. Oh yeah. Coleman got his legs stuck in one. Mm-hmm. It was like the literally the turf monster that got him and he was out for the World Series. Yes, I do remember that. And um the one thing that can be discussed is amid all the controversy, all the weirdness of this World Series is the Cardinals just didn't hit. Yes. Like the Ozzy bats, had a horror like all of it. Bats are afraid. <laughs> I say, fuck you, Joe Boo. I do it myself. Well, that's the thing is we get into this World Series. We'll talk about the controversy just off the bat, and then we'll get into really why the Cardinals lost. But game four, I believe it was. Um, so, And they're playing this Royals team, which they're lucky to even be in the World Series because the Blue Jays blew that 3-1 to one lead oh, in yeah. the ALCS that year. So they're lucky to even be in it. And in this World Series, the Royals are down 3-1 again to St. Louis. And... Oh, so it's game five. Yeah. Yeah, it's game five. Or, no, 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 it's game six, because they win game five. Oh, okay. And so they're in game six, and uh, in the bottom of the ninth, uh, Jorge Orta hits this kind of bouncer, and the pitcher has to cover first base. And when you watch the replay, Chris... I know. It's really bad. The, not only does the ball beat him to the bag, the pitcher's foot's on the bag. I think it's Todd Worrell. And everybody loses their shit. On the field. And the umpire is Don Dankinger, by the way. I watched it because I saw somebody write a thing on it. They were just like, this is one of the worst calls in one of the biggest games you will ever see. I mean, if you want to advocate for instant replay in baseball, this is one of them. Because it not only decides a game, it decides a World Series, essentially, in Game 6. Yes. Um, The Royals tied the game. They win in extra innings. And then in Game 7, they win by 10-plus runs. Yeah. And, like, you're just confused as to how this happened. But the Cardinals didn't do themselves any favors, like, in this World Series. Like, Ozzy, not the only one, but he hit under 100. Yeah. He hit 087, 2 for 28. And after the Game 7, basically, debacle, the Cardinals go home without a World Series, which is... Kind of sad, yes, to be it, honest. And somebody, when you when you think about this, it's almost like you're watching something and the lens is smudged because you're like, well, what if this happened? And yeah. and, and that's what it, it reverberates through the whole series where, it, I mean, for game seven, because you're like, well, should we even be here? It's like, yeah. it, it's one of those things Are where- we supposed to be playing? Yes. You know, like, and definitely crushed them uh, in- uh, one thing about 85, though, with Ozzy is he played most of the oh. season with a torn rotator cuff. So he was diving back into uh, first base in a pickoff move against the Padres, oddly enough. He just injures himself against it's the Padres. It's just like, Coach, can you just like take me out of the lineup for this series? Just, just this series. Just San Diego, my man. But he basically talked about, I would try to do everything except throw a baseball with my left hand because my right shoulder was just so shot. He would try and open doors, literally anything. And he had this quote where he was just like, I'm going to make it to where I'm going to play through the pain and not get surgery. Chicks dig scars. <laughs> so he's kind of banged up for 86, uh, for the 86 opener. His son, Nico does a backflip. I thought that was great. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, in, uh, August, uh, he makes another incredible play August 4th. Um, he dives parallel to Kurt Ford and makes a Willie Mays, almost basket catch parallel to the ground. 
I, I heard him talking about this, and he said the only thing that was scary, and if you watch it, his foot comes up and almost catches Ozzy yeah, in the face. Right. And he was just like, that was it, because I caught the ball, and I just saw a cleat, and I was like, Whoa, all right, that was all right. Should have contacted Johnny Knoxville. <sighs> but the guy that hit the ball did want to bring up a Mr. Von Hayes. Always reminds me of Sonny. Oh, next you're going to tell me you don't know who Von Hayes is. Nobody knows Von <laughs> Come on, man. Let's go throw some rocks at trains, Chris. Um, he hits uh, 280 with 54 RBIs, wins a gold glove. Unfortunately, in 86 in the NL East, there's a Leviathan, a fun Leviathan known as the New York Mets who ruined their postseason dreams. But in 87, this is where Ozzy likely should have won the MVP. Oh, yes. Um, hits a career-high 303 with 75 RBIs, combined 44 doubles and triples, 73 uh uh, 43 stolen bases and a career high 775 OPS, which is pretty good. He was first and only silver slugger that yep. year. Uh, second in the MVP to Andre Dawson, who's also in the Hall of Fame. Um, but a lot of people felt like you should. It's one of those where you're just like looking back. You're like, should Ozzy have won that? Well, people talk about how in this vote, because the Cubs finished last yep. that year. Ozzy and Jack Clark, who had a great year, split the vote between them yep. on the first place team. And that's what they were saying was just like, well, I mean, he's on a better team with a better player. And then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, career high 104 runs. Didn't want to bring that up. Um, they go to the uh, NLCS against the Giants. A very awesome series, by the way, if you go back and watch that. Um, seven games. Um, hits 200. Um, he was a leading vote getter at the All Star game that year too. I did uh, want to mention that. And then they go to the '87 World Series and run into Kirby Puckett and the Twins. And this is one of those that it's just one of those interesting statistics where the home team won every game. And Jack Clark isn't playing in this series. I know. Either. So they're they're down another man. Yep. <laughs> uh, in this one, and. Uh, well, you can go listen to our Puckett episode for a little more in depth. But the Cardinals do not come out victorious. No. But in uh, 80, uh, 1988, he's now the highest paid player in the National League with $2.4 million yeah. for a guy that hit zero home runs the season before. Could you imagine that? It's for such a non-pitcher? Yeah. It's such a thing that for this Cardinal organization, they were like, no, 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 no. This is our guy. We understand that you're not going to pay him that, but we are. And yeah. Well, um, what's kind of sad, though, about this kind of upcoming era, though, from 88 to 92, the Cardinals start to age, and you start to see the rise of teams like the Pirates in that division, like kind of starting to dominate. And isn't this when the owner dies, and then there's kind of like a shift? The Bush in, owner dies, yep. 1990, Whitey Herzog quits. Yep. There's uh, just a shift in the organization, and like you were saying, a lot of the guys start aging into their 30s. and Yeah, they're just a middling team in the NL East at this juncture. Um, Ozzy's still putting up his normal numbers at the dish. Uh, Golden gloves. Golden gloves that. every year. Every year from 88 to 92. Uh, hitting 276, uh, 232 RBIs. Um, then in 93, um, oh, I did want to bring up in 1992, mm. um, he joins a softball team for a power plant in rural America. Um, doesn't end up playing in the game. He's lost at the mystery spot. <laughs> Lord Palmerston! <laughs> Get rid of those sideburns. <laughs> you asked for it, Bugs! <laughs> I think that might be the most referenced thing on this entire I podcast. Care. I don't is that care. one episode of The Simpsons? Ah, uh, hey, ah. Uh. 
93, uh, this is the first All-Star game missed. So basically since like 1980. Uh, he hits 288 though, uh, 22 stolen bases. Uh, 94, he makes the All-Star game again. Uh, really starting to age though. Yes. As far as, but he's 40 years old. Yeah. You know, at this point. Um, he uh, plays in only 142 games in 94 and 95. Um, he does record his 2000th hit though this season. And he had a great quote where he said, I wanted to get to that number because People always associate me with defense. Yes. And to his credit and his longevity, he did a fantastic job at the plate, despite, you know, some power limitations, I would say. But uh, in 96 is when kind of things start to come to a head because Tony LaRussa and that rat's nest of hair that he has comes to town. Well, Tony comes in, and there's something that I feel like has to happen with these guys who are aging out but they're still the best guys at their position. Yeah. And it's kind of like, no, 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 we understand you're going to be the best this year, but we need our youth to come through. Yeah. And we, that's what I feel like thinking like, yeah. I'm not managing for just this season. Yes. I'm managing for the next five or whatever. God, he was in St. Louis for fucking like decade and a half, I think. But that's what happens because Ozzy said going into spring training, he felt like he was the best shortstop by far. And he played way better in spring training than Royce Clayton, but Ozzy gets a little bit banged up and Larusa opts for Clayton, which I think they acquired from the Giants. Um, what ends up happening is Ozzy's playing like every third game though, yep. this year. Um, makes the all-star team just because that's what you do with guys at the end of their career who are set for Cooperstown. Uh, hits 282, um, two homers, 18 RBIs, and the Cardinals win the NL Central. They win the NL Central that year, 88 and 74. Go to the NLDS and break my heart. Um, Sweep you. <laughs> oh, Trevor Hoffman, why do you haunt my dreams so? Um the, he goes one for three with uh, two walks and scores a run in a game two win. And then they go to the NLCS against the Braves, and they kind of screw the pooch. Ozzy doesn't record a hit in the whole series, but they're up 3-2 after five games. And the Braves are defending champions, and they take the series back, and they end up losing, and Ozzy retires, which well, is kind of sad. I thought it was a little interesting. Um, he had great defense in this last series. Yeah. Not an error, and I think he had like four or five assists in, in one. But like zero hits, and every single game that he started, they lost. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the things where it was like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is the end. They let him pinch hit at the end, I think, when they were losing by like eight runs. It's like you're watching the end, and you're like, you don't want him to go out like this. Yeah. Like, come on. But ends up retiring, uh, finds a job in the media this week in baseball after his career for a couple of years. And in 2002, he's elected to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Which is awesome. Just awesome for him. He, and appropriate, because... Yeah. I don't think we'll ever see a player as defensively dominant as that. Bud Harrelson, uh, who played for those Mets teams in the 60s and early 70s, had said something like, you'd see a guy hit a baseball or Ozzy make a play or miss a play out there, and you'd be like, could Ozzy have gotten that? Yeah. Or then if Ozzy missed one, you're like, nobody could have gotten that one. You well, know? something that I heard other shortstops say was he like revolutionized the the position in that he came up with a bunch of training tactics so he would – train or he would get people to hit balls at him when he was on his knees so it was just the motion of his hands yeah. and then like just do shit like that where like people were saying like oh he's doing stuff at like another level 
like attacking the baseball and it just like he was just on another level for a shortstop in this era that's well, why he you won. combine the athleticism and the intelligence and the work ethic you're just like oh this guy's a perfect fit yes. like he can do things not only with his body but with the baseball which is insane with a rotator cuff being torn that's yeah. the thing that when i saw that it was just like oh jesus <laughs> Because you can't really see a drop He's going to throw the ball across the damn diamond. Like, oh, God. He's running it up and putting it into the, like, sandlot. Oh, my God. Sorry. Handing him the ball. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're killing me, Ozzy. Hey, girls. No. Uh, uh, 2002. Did you plan that? Been planning <laughs> it for, for years. Oh, Michael Squints Paladoris. <laughs> Hashtag me too. He said he planned that, you guys. <laughs> guys, he planned that. He gets a statue outside of Bush Stadium. The guy who uh, was the sculptor had said something. You spend uh, half your career up in the air. That makes it pretty difficult to do a statue with. That's great. Uh, but uh, Ozzie Smith finished his career with 2,460 hits, 793 RBIs, 580 stolen bases. Yeah. Then again, everyone on those 80s Cardinals teams could steal bases. Um, he had the most all-star game uh, votes to not hit a grand slam. I saw that. Player. I loved that. That's so great. 978 fielding percentage, 13, t- uh, goal, 13 gold gloves, 15-time all-star, and his number one is retired by the St. Louis Cardinals. It's got to be. It has to be. They And this is the only thing about this Cardinal 80s team is they were almost a dynasty because literally you were— They could have had three in five years. Yes. And I mean— Every World Series they played in went to seven games. I know. Which is one of which probably shouldn't have. Well, but that's the thing is that it really could have been. They had one, which is fucking great, but one of the best defensive teams you will ever see. Oh, absolutely. And Ozzie Smith, key to that. Yeah. Yep. Centerpiece. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody.